0: In this episode, I talk to Eleanor Gould, an ex-Financial Services Compliance Manager who's reinvented herself as a copywriter. A fascinating story, giving a unique insight into the way we market financial products such as pensions, investments and protection. Here, Eleanor talk about simplicity in communications and how important it is to focus on benefits, not features. That's all right here in episode 89 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast.
1: Welcome, you're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show. And here's your host, Roger Edwards.
0: Hey folks, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I appreciate your time and your support. Before we dive into this week's interview, I'd like to tell you about an event I attended in Liverpool last week. Financial Liverpool is a group of financial services professionals, mainly advisors, and I delivered my latest keynote speech called Growing the Market, Engaging Clients and the Social Financial Advisor. All about how financial services professionals can use content marketing and social media to grow their businesses, I've had great feedback from the session. So I thought I'd give you a quick peek at a section that I call Why Twitter is Like a Virtual Pub. Here it is. I always describe Twitter, in my head, as a virtual pub. Like a virtual pub. So, who goes to the pub, the normal pub? We all go to the pub. What do you do, Carly, when you go to the pub? What's the first thing you do when you go to the pub? Buy a drink. Buy a drink, absolutely. And then what? Speak to somebody. Speak to somebody. What else do you do? Sit down. Sit down, yeah. You sit down, you talk to people. What do you talk to them about? Life. Life, good. <laughs> absolutely, you talk to them about life. What, what subjects do you talk to them about? The weather. The weather. What we're
2: doing that
0: now. I'm being really mean to Carly here. I'm focusing all my attention <laughs> oh my <gosh>. on Carly. <laughs> About your daughter would you show people pictures of your daughter in the pub Yeah. of course you would anything else you talk about when you're in the pub awesome. yeah, football. football football was the top one on my list here football was the top one on my list here so we talk about football what else films who said did somebody say films one thing that nobody said work well actually you might talk about work if you're in the pub with with colleagues, absolutely. You might even if you're in the pub say, hey Carly did you see that great article in Money Marketing about protection, about relevant life policies, about income protection? You might say that. There's a great article in Money Marketing or you might say there's a great article in the Daily Mail about Barbados and you might share that article about Barbados with people when you're talking to them in the pub. But what's the one thing you don't do when you go into the pub? Start selling. Start selling. Who has ever gone into a pub stood at the door and say I'm a financial advisor come over here and get some advice from me or do you ever see people starting standing in the doorway of the pub saying I'm a hairdresser come and let me cut your hair I'm a bookseller come and buy my books I am a management consultant come and consult with me It doesn't happen. People don't go into pubs and sell, 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 and promote, promote, promote. But if somebody came up to you in a pub and said, I'm a double glazing salesman, can I make an appointment to come round to your house? You'd say, mate, sod off. I'm here having a drink, talking to my friends about Barbados and about showing pictures of my family. Twitter, if it's a virtual pub, has the same rules. People post pictures on Twitter of their family. People will talk about football on Twitter. People talk about anything on Twitter because it's a place where people have conversations. It's a place where people create relationships. And over time, it can be a place where people create trust. But a lot of product providers, they've got it into their mind that social media is about promote, 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 and about sell, sell, sell. They are the people who would come into (coughs) the pub and stand at the door and say, I'm a double glazing salesman, come and buy my windows because they don't get it. Welcome back. If the session sounds interesting, please do get in touch. I'd be delighted to present the session at your next event. So let's get into this week's interview with Eleanor Gould. Eleanor is founder of Creative Forditas Limited, a forward thinking writing, copywriting, and content creation service set up to provide clear, concise, and compelling copy. Her in depth technical pensions and compliance background has provided her with a unique skill set which she successfully utilises in her role as creative director. As well as having over 20 years' experience in the UK financial services industry and being professionally qualified in both pensions and compliance, Eleanor is also an author as well as a professional. Trained and qualified animal therapist. So let's get into that interview with Eleanor right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance Podcast. And so, Eleanor, welcome to the Empath Podcast.
3: Hello, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on today.
0: Where are we Skyping each other from? You're coming to me from an international destination, aren't you?
3: I am. Today I'm in Hungary and it's a lovely, lovely, beautiful sunny day, so I'm quite happy.
0: (laughs) Eleanor, you're known on Snapchat in other circles as Eleanor, the copywriter. And there's loads of things I want to talk to you today about copywriting and about simplicity of language and, and how it can relate to the financial services, indeed any industry. But before we get to that, Eleanor, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically, what makes Eleanor Gould tick?
3: Okay, so um, I started off, uh, funnily enough, in the financial services industry, so I've got over 20 years experience, whereas now I run a copywriting and content creation uh, company where I help firms, we help firms get their message across, and that's something I'm really quite passionate about, having had all that experience in the UK financial services industry during, you know, very tumultuous times, especially in pensions,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, I saw there was definitely a need to, you know, communicate better. Uh, so it, it's, it's been quite a journey to get from where I was to where I am now. And it's, it, it's been quite an interesting in time, really. And when did you move to Hungary? Uh, about five years ago now, uh, my last role was uh, compliance in, for an offshore SIP provider. I, I first um, got into um, the financial services industry. I was in the pensions industry, mainly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the day that Robert Maxwell, the newspaper bar- baron, had his uh, yachting incident Right, and at the same time plunged the um, world of pensions into turmoil too. And I was temping for Reed publishing. And at that time, they had mirror group pensioners on their pension payroll. Okay. And the phone just went literally off the hook. And that was the day my boss at the time said, would you like a full-time job? And I went, <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> so I, I had, you know, I, it's not something I, I didn't, you know, a careers officer didn't say to me, now, Eleanor, would you like to, you know, have a career in pensions? It certainly wasn't something that happened that way. I literally fell into it, thanks to Robert Maxwell. Um, and after that, um, I went on to do uh, professional exams with the Pensions Management Institute and that kind of thing. And it was there at Reed which I actually met a lady who was a communications manager at the time. And she became kind of my mentor, encouraged me to take exams, that kind of thing. Okay. And I, I always remembered her because I always thought, God, I'd love her role. You know, she was communications; she was making all the scheme booklets and, you know, and I thought, God, I'd love to do that. <laughs> So, yeah, so she's the person who kind of, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have gone on the path I did.
0: And was that what started you off along the lines of um, copywriting and clearer language and clarity? And is that what sowed the seed to ultimately make you decide to set up your own copywriting business?
3: Well, the path wasn't quite like that. I didn't know, I I had a long career in pensions and admin, technical compliance and communication. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always liked the communication side of it, but I was very good at the admin and, and technical. Right. Uh, but because the different places I worked, I got to realise that actually it wasn't so much the products that were wrong or not suitable, but in many ways it was the message that was being uh, we, we were giving people. Um, for example, I worked for the Pensions Advisory Service, and that was probably one of the most satisfying jobs I've ever had because we are actually helping people. And although, you know, I got to uh, deal with some very distressing cases because obviously people did lose their pensions and have, you know, fraudulent activity happen, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the time it was actually about the way the scheme or pension plan or financial services product was actually communicated or if it wasn't in, in the product itself, it was also in maybe the customer service or something like that it was always not just one thing and i just thought you know that there's got to be a better way than this um and also i had the opportunity to work at ing um, bearings after the post nick Gleason, mm. <laughs> after the bank was sat, sold for a pound so i got to meet some really colorful characters there and interesting people um and i worked for a few other large um retail giants such as kingfisher as well but all in slightly different roles right and it always had a kind of element of apart from the pure admin roles i did there was always an element of communication involved
0: why do you think it is Particularly within the financial services, and I absolutely agree with what you've said there. It's not necessarily really the products that we're recommending that are complicated, although let's face it, some of them are. But sometimes the language that goes round them, the, the the brochures, the technical guides, the key FD documents, and all of that sort of thing, sometimes seem to be lit, written in a completely different language to English. Why? Why, <laughs> yes. why? Why do you think we? Why do you think we get ourselves into that situation, Eleanor? Uh,
3: it's a bit like legal language and uh, medical uh, terminology Um, rather than just calling something a foot we'll call it something else you know it's kind of keeping the mystique maybe I don't know Mm -hmm. and I think we've fallen foul of this in the financial services industry rather than saying to somebody this is this is the benefits of the product we we get carried away with features and I I really don't like key features documents because (laughs) From a pure sales copywriting point of view, you sell the benefits, not the features. Whereas the key features document, well, it's called a key features document, it's selling the features. Nobody's interested. They want to know, you know, it's the old what's in it for me Mm. syndrome. So I think that's uh, an issue. I think also through the years, there's been, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, there's been such. Um, a change in the pensions industry I can only talk about that except the one I know but also in you know other financial services products the mortgage industry and whatnot and we've not been able to keep up with ourselves you know everything's changing quickly and terminology is changing too and yet we've stuck with old-fashioned terminology I mean why doesn't somebody come up with another word for a pension Mm. you know as soon as you say pension everybody falls asleep I do (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people Boring. fall asleep when en- when they hear anything financial services orientated. And, and again, I think that sometimes there's a, there's a feeling we have to talk in a certain way because it sounds professional yeah. or we have to talk in a certain way, possibly because it's more legalistic and therefore that will potentially protect us if there's ever a, a legal challenge. To anything that we do and what the bottom line is all we're doing is alienating the man on the street by not talking in a language that they can understand
3: yeah and that adds further adds to um, the distrust because let's face it there's lots of distrust around financial services as a whole it's not just you know investment bankers but also pensions mis-selling and you know nobody seems to have the right product for their needs it, it it's, it's really a strange one because I think the you know the marketing. The, there's an issue there in the way we market it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you're probably aware of um, Ogilvy's most famous line: "The consumer isn't a moron; she's your wife." <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's very true as well. When some of the you know departments I worked in and they were creating products and doing this, that, and the other, but not really thinking about somebody's real financial needs, whereas all they needed to do was go home and you know speak to their wife or husband or you know aunt mabel down the road what actual financial problems are they having you know and and engage with them on that level on a normal level we don't need all this technical Jargon, really I don't
0: think is that perhaps what the problem is that a lot of the people that are writing this stuff and I'm sort of including myself in in this yeah because I've been I've been there I've written the I've written the really complicated copy as well I think sometimes it's because you you're in that ivory tower syndrome you're surrounded day in day out with people who talk the same language it's almost like the curse of knowledge is it that's how we talk it's a jargon that we've built up and therefore we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about and actually, all we need to do is, as you say, is to go out on the street, talk to the man on the the Clapham omnibus, talk to Aunt Mabel, talk to your wife, talk to your husband, and they'll want to listen to it in a completely different way. And, and and maybe that's a lot of what the problem is: is we don't talk to our real customers enough in order to get a feel for how they wanted to be communicated with.
3: Well, yeah, absolutely. I actually agree with you there, Roger, because in the compliance. Uh, roles I had, I obviously had to deal with complaints, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not saying this happened, but there was a very real danger that you just, did, did, did these complainants, you know, you had all TCF, treat customers fairly, but you knew that, right, okay, I don't have to answer that person until this certain time frame, that so I have to send them a letter here in two weeks, and then, you know, close the case within six. People became a number mm. and they forgot who they were really talking to. You know, if that was your own mother or your aunt or your uncle having this problem, would you be speaking to them or communicating with them in this way? No, you wouldn't. And I, I feel sorry for people on, um, uh, you know, call centers as well. Yeah. I know a girl who uh, works in a call center and she said it's really hard because we're going by a script and I really want to help. And as normally happens, everything goes off script and she says, I I don't know what to do when things go off script. Mm. And that makes me feel valueless in my job. I'm not providing, but she wants to help. She wants to provide the value, but she can't. I think something's gone very wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and and how would you um, sum up your experience of um, of working for financial services companies in the in the many roles that you had how would you sum up your experience of the way firms communicate their message and and has it changed a bit as as technology's changed
3: I don't think it has I don't think it's changing quick enough mm. I mean uh, I you know I love content marketing and I think the financial services industry lends itself so well to the trends in you know digital marketing nowadays but i don't nowadays what i don't see i personally don't see that it's been taken up it's still it's still kind of stuck in the old way we could do so many things and uh, get people really engaged with uh, you know instead of going for the sell you know the old marketing this is our product and it's good door, this for you how about finding some real value first and finding people with real information but Interesting information that's relevant and do it in a nice, engaging way. Show a bit of personality. Yeah. You know, and uh, then people will be interested. The more value you provide, you know, I'm not the first person who, says, who said this. This isn't, this isn't rocket science, is it? You provide value, 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 lots of information. And then the people naturally buy off you because, you know, it's the old KLT, no like and trust. Mm. And it works in any business. It does. It doesn't matter about scale. I really truly believe that and it's just a shame, you know, I come across firms every day and it, sometimes it only just takes a tweak or to give them an idea to run with. You know, it just takes, yeah, I don't like this phrase, but I think the firms have to start thinking outside of the box
2: mm-hmm. you know,
3: and thinking of more creative and engaging ways to engage with their true audience and, you know, get back that uh, trust that is, as far as I can see is pretty much lost. On the flip side, I would say, also in the press, it's always the bad stories we read, isn't it? It is, yeah. We never, ever see the good news. And uh, we need to talk more about the good stuff. The way, you know, somebody has got a, a good pension from a firm and they're living the life of Riley now or, you know, uh, uh, furthering their dreams. Um, I also think, you know, it's some of the packaging, you know, certainly with pensions, you know, it's always... You know, if you sign up with us, you're going to be, you know, some silver fox on a rock, on a yacht somewhere, or hot air ballooning. it seems to be. Yeah. Uh, So when you retire, you either go off on a yacht or you go off in a hot air balloon to I don't know where you go, but that's obviously. (laughs) But people don't live like that anymore. Lives have changed and people's goals have changed. You know, you might want to retire and um, set up a, I don't know, a, a retirement home for cats, or you might want to travel to a third world country to help. You might want to do something completely bizarre. You know, it, it, it no longer fits that people want, want, want to retire even, or not fully. You know, they want to do something with their lives. We've been selling to an age that has long gone.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And a lot of what you're saying resonates with my own feelings and my own opinions and some of the principles that I've built my own business on. People don't want to be sold to these days. They don't want to be have everything just promote, promote, promote. People do want that engagement. And I don't think many financial services providers have cottoned onto this yet. They still see all forms of marketing as just an excuse to sell, sell, sell. A lot of them don't get the concept of content marketing being about as you saying, getting to know somebody, getting to like them, getting to trust them, they still think that it's all about promotion. And the same with social media. One of the reasons I think financial services providers are frightened of social media is that they see it as another marketing channel, another promotional channel, and therefore they get it wrapped up in all the compliance um, malarkey again, because every single tweet, every single LinkedIn or Facebook post, they think is a promotion, and therefore has to go through the full compliance process. And I think that if they realized that a lot of this was more about having a conversation about engagement, then they'd be able to move away from that and start using the tools properly. But as you say, it's extremely slow.
3: Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with that. I mean, there could be, you know, engaging with customers. It's, as you say, it's not about the sale. It's about, you know, having, having, as you say, an interesting conversation and getting to people that you don't need that to get that to go through the compliance department. And the other thing I'd say about compliance, although I've been a <laughs> professional myself, is I cannot bear tick box compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are ways that that could be, in my opinion, bettered as well. How about taking all your compliance guys and putting them on the marketing course? Get all your marketing people and put them on the compliance course. And that tension that exists could actually spark something ingenious, you know?
0: I can hear a lot of compliance people's nervously shifting in their seats listening to this at this moment in time. But I I absolutely agree with you. Eleanor, let's explore a little bit then about how you made the decision to transition from being a financial services compliance person, comms manager, admin person, to setting up your own copywriting business. What was it that made you decide that that was the future for you?
3: Well, you know, after 20-odd years in financial services at the coalface, I'd had enough of all the change, you know, simplification and whatnot. It was just too much. Um, I had the opportunity to change my career and set up my own company. And I just thought, you know, you only live once, so I took it. So I wasn't sure whether it would work or not. Um, And also my husband and I wanted a more simpler life. Mm -hmm. Well, we retired, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we did um you know grow grow vegetables, that kind of thing but you know simple doesn't always mean easy <laughs> and we thought well what have we got of value you know we've got all this you know because he was in the financial services business as well so there was like we've got all this um knowledge let's do something with it mm. you know and let's let's play to our strengths i've always been quite good at writing so i you know, went head on with that and took loads of copywriting courses, and really, you know, I've had this time to look at marketing, copywriting, and really teach myself. And along with all our other skills, I think we make a, a great team because we understand where, you know, well, um, I like to think we do, we understand where. The, the problems that firms face.
0: And what sort of companies are you writing for, Eleanor? Is it mainly still financial services or have you got clients
3: no, from no, other industries? Got, I work most mostly small companies. I work lots of different um, in the fitness industry, the aviation mm-hmm. industry. Yeah, I go across the board. <laughs> I don't have an, a niche in as much as I'll only work for um, one area. You know, I, I work for a plastic surgeon. I work for... Um, somebody who owns apartments and also a a health supplement so i don't particularly go for a niche i just automatically know when somebody needs me it's like having that fit you know when you're you know you you qualifying clients it's Mm -hmm. not about just them thinking oh are you great it's like you know can we actually work together what skills can i bring to you if not that's fine you need somebody else so i like having that conversation
0: and we've already said today obviously because of our association with financial services over the years that financial services copy tends to be complicated, tends to be bloated, it tends to be full of jargon. Do you find these trends in the other industries that you write for, are, are they all similarly afflicted?
3: Um, what I find is most of them are selling uh, features rather than benefits. Right, And they're not, um, if, if, if there's a problem with their copy, and sometimes it's not just the copy, and sometimes it's just a tweak you know? Mm-hmm. And also I'd say there's so many different uh, copywriting formulas out there. They're not one fits all. It depends on the product, target audience, so many other factors. So although copywriting is really important, it isn't It isn't everything. It's mm-hmm. only part of the picture. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a product that quite frankly is duff, <laughs> you know, any, any kind of copy isn't going to help sell it. Or if it does, then you're not going to get that client back again because you've just sold them enough product you know so it, it, it's it's everything it's the whole part of the circle if I saw anything I guess the biggest thing is as I say people sell features rather than benefits mm-hmm. they're not telling a compelling enough story they're not making people like them you go into any about page and it's all about them not yes. about the actual reader yeah the usual things are not kind of before after bridge like so this is your life before this is what this is our product and this is all the benefits it can bring, and this is your life after. That's quite a good one that I, I often see missing. But you know, not not ad, adequately understanding people's pain points is is another one.
0: That sort of brings us on to um, maybe some tips that you could give to the listeners of the Empath Podcast about clearer writing and clear a copy, and building upon what you said earlier about content marketing. Perhaps give us an example, and I know that it, it sounds like a very basic thing, but give me, a, give me an example of how you would sell the benefit rather than the feature.
3: Uh, well, you, what's the benefit to the person? Mm. A feature is something like how it works. For example, I don't know, in pensions, a feature would be um, you can pay this amount into a pension plan, the benefit would be what you get at the end you know you're going to get x amount tax-free cash you know <laughs> or something like that so it's always always think to yourself what's in it for the person reading the copy what is the benefit that's, that's in it for them it's quite hard to quantify because sometimes it's you can use different uh, copywriting formulas um but i think for financial services obviously benefits first features later mm. but also I think financial services can really tell a story because there's so many uh, products out there especially if you're an IFA mm. uh, you can just uh, you had the chap on your your podcast Adam uh, yeah I, I, and I looked at his stuff and it was really good because all, he wasn't selling products he was telling people right this is what you do when you've got this problem this is the product you need not his product or anything he was recommending but this is the type of product you need. So he was solving people's pain points, Lee, and I, I'd like to see more people do that. I'd like to see the big firms do it as well. They've got you know, the budget to really do something amazing with their content marketing and tell a story, a real story, and get people engaged.
0: I think the storytelling thing for me is is a really powerful one. And yeah, I agree, Adam is, is a shining example of how this should go forward. And And I think people like to listen to stories. They like to have... A real person tell a real story I um,
3: well, I'd love to see you know i don't know I'll just think about this day. this would be fun uh if i don't know you had a rather large compa- uh, department of i don't know product specialists or even whatever department it is in in you know an insurance company or even a a small i f a outfit and each day you know each each member of staff takes you through their day from you know going to the gym drinking their first coffee. Uh, and tells them a bit about themselves. Mm-hmm. Because then you're like, yeah, well, I like you, or well, I can, you know, I can resonate with you. That I, I understand where you're coming from. And then that's putting, that's really putting a person's, you know, you know, putting somebody's personality and getting to, you know, that T you no know, like and trust, and is and mix it up a bit, like with your Snapchats. You know, you've got your music of the day, track of the day yep. and then sometimes we see your cats, and sometimes we see your yellow mug
1: um,
3: <laughs> and then also with marketing tips as well so you mix it up and that makes a really interesting story and uh, I think you know, anybody who wants to learn they should follow you, Roger of course and me <laughs> mix it up and tell a story about yourself make it intriguing and compelling so people want to know more be the friendly face
0: I think that is so powerful. People like to deal with people. I think that in this day and age of live video of Snapchat, as you've said, and Twitter and and all of the social media that we have at our disposal, people have got more of an opportunity than ever to interact people to people. And I think we've got to the stage where people don't want to deal with nameless brands. They don't want to have letters from brands in using the passive voice. They want to see a real person who has a real life, like you said, who have cats, who live in Hungary, who live in America, who do whatever it is they do and have a personal life. They don't want to get too much into the detail of what that personal life might be, but they want to know that the person they're dealing with is just like them and can empathize with them. And again, it comes back to what you said, know, like, and trust. And those, are the kingpins, I think, of modern communication. And it's something that financial services providers, I think, are struggling with. I'd like to think that the financial advisors have probably got more of a of a a fast track to this sort of thing because they probably haven't got the bureaucracy and the huge compliance some um, issues. They can probably adopt a lot of this technology quite quickly if yeah. they put their mind to it. And that's where they could steal a march over the bigger providers, in my Absolutely. opinion.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're they're miles ahead. And they're you know, they're natural salespeople anyway.
0: <laughs> Absolutely right. I think <laughs> what's the one big idea. That you'd like those people who are listening to the Empath Podcast today to take away from the experiences you've had, both as a financial services person, Eleanor, and now as a as a copywriting expert.
3: To get creative. To start really thinking outside of the box. Get out there on the street and look and see and you know, look at social media, see how it's really working. Just be creative and tell your story, because that's going to be more powerful than any, you know, sales brochure you've got.
0: Eleanor, it's been fascinating to talk to you today. So much of what you say resonates with me. So much about of what you've said today fits with my own philosophy about clarity, about telling stories, about know, like, and trust, and the power of content marketing. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast off with a quick fire round of business questions. So the first one is, what would be the one thing that you would change about the financial services industry if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave?
3: Um, I'd stop um, tinkering all the time with it. And I'd probably uh, rewrite the FCA handbook. (laughs) (laughs) Are you you
0: listening, government? Leave the pensions industry alone for a little while so that we can get on with it. Eleanor, what's the one business model, or it could be a product or it could be a marketing campaign that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it.
3: Actually, it was just yesterday I saw something that I thought was pretty good, and it was um, an ad campaign for Clearasil. You know? Okay. Um, and uh, instead of um, them, you know, mark because they have to market to teenagers for acne and whatnot. Um, instead of pretending that they know what the teenagers are like, their new ad campaign is: we don't know teenagers, but we know ac- acne. <laughs> so, it, so it's kind of saying, we're solving your bit like what I was saying before. We're solving your pain point, but we're not going to pretend that we, you know, we're hip and funk. We know teenagers because you teen- know, teenagers don't even know teenagers, <laughs> you know. So I thought that was quite clever.
0: And that's a nice lesson as well. Mm -hmm. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life.
3: I think you know which one I'm going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Snapchat. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, actually when I first um, signed on to it, I thought, oh God, I did it because I'd seen my niece on it. And I thought, I'll just have a little look. So i like to have a look look at all the apps. And I was like, oh God, what's this? And then I just really got into it, I started watching people's stories and it has made a huge impact because now I'm providing content, it's another way source to provide content. So if I write a blog post, I'll then change, turn it into a Snapchat in some way, also I can tell people a bit about myself and take them on trips around Europe and Budapest, so it's always interesting. Yeah. So I'm trying to provide provide that compelling story. Not so people come say, oh she's great, well let's go and, you know, buy something off her actually I just I actually generally want to be involved in the story and watch other people's too what's the best business
0: book or it doesn't need to be a business book it could be any book that you've ever read tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it
3: well I won't say it's the best best book I've ever read because i would probably come up with something really naff like *The but (laughs) 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 oh god did I just say that um one of the best business books I've ever read, which isn't really a business book, is The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Okay. And I just love the insight into human behaviour. And from a copywriting uh, perspective, obviously, that's quite important. And also for marketing and sales, it's really interesting. So I'd, I'd recommend that read to anybody, really. Just
0: before we go, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you if they want to talk about copywriting or Snapchat or whatever they want to talk to you about.
3: Yeah, uh, well, obviously, you'll have my links anyway, but um, if you, uh, Bitly, the copywriter, so the copywriter, short link Bitly, and that will take you to my website. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, at uh, creative4detached, but if you go on to Bitly, the copywriter, you'll get all my details there.
0: Great stuff. And as you said, I will include links to your contact details in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF mpaf eleanor thanks for very much for coming on the show today it's been great to talk to you fascinating to dig a little deeper into copywriting and content marketing and clarity and know like and trust let me wish you all the success for the future and hopefully i might get the opportunity to pop over to hungary at some point and meet you in person
3: absolutely you'll always be very welcome thank you for having me on it's been a real pleasure
1: For listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model, you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?